Welcome to the Harry Potter Virgin, where three Potterheads guide a wizarding world virgin on their first journey from platform nine and three quarters. On this show, our resident muggle Rob will share his experience of reading the original Harry Potter series for the first time in his 30-something years. He'll be helped along the way by three veterans of the Potterverse. This is series four, episode 21, The Parting of the Robs. Today, we will be reviewing chapters 36 and 37 of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. They are The Parting of the Ways and The Beginning. Before Rob joins us, let me bring in my co-host to set the scene. Welcome, Millers. Hello. And Phil. Millers with a sad face. Millers with a sad face. <laughs> also. Face looks quite happy. No, it was sad at first. Now it's gone quite happy. But um, also, why is Millers in summer and you're in winter, but you're in the same room? Um. um. It might be because of Miller's is full of babies. Yeah, Miller's is hot. Right, yeah. And also, I did the cooking. Oh. So I got warm. It is mental, like, that Matt's in this, because this is, like, the warmest thing in the world. Yeah, woolly woolly. And it's really not cold. Look, guys, at least I'm not like Rob. You know, I'm not sort of turning up. You're wondering, oh, what's he going to be wearing? Oh, it's yeah. going to be this every time. Oh, yeah. It's the final episode of season four. This is it. I almost can't believe we're this far in. Any housekeeping before we just move on to thoughts yes, on the chapters? I, I have housekeeping. Go ahead. First piece of housekeeping is mainly um, for HCB. Long time so, friend. Uh, I could have just messaged her, but um, I decided to make it public because other people might be interested as well. I went into MS the other day and the selection of hot cross buns they have is out of this world. Like, think of any flavour you like, they've got it in a hot cross bun. They even have Marmite hot cross buns. Mm. I don't feel great about it. I think the traditional is, if you're going to do anything to a hot cross bun, just put more more sultanas in it. <laughs> you just love sultanas. But I, I do know what you mean. I am, I'm not really here for the savoury hot cross bun. And I'm not God, really here no. for the going like all, like all out, like chocolate caramel, to be honest. I'm happy with a traditional hot cross bun. And you know what? If you want chocolate, buy a bar of chocolate. Get some Nutella. I just don't get the idea of a Marmite hot cross bun because... uh, I think it was Marmite and cheese. It's really easy to put Marmite on a hot cross bun and cheese. Yeah. And it will be objectively better, won't it? Presumably they don't don't have the fruit in there. But maybe they do. I don't know. Uh, I don't have full information for you on that, I'm afraid. I didn't try any of them. It was just something I observed. Is that all the housekeeping you've got? No, there was something else. I'm just going to Google the MS spread. Phil, in all the excitement in our last yeah. recording, we, we never mentioned or like talked about the fact that the character that Rob most wants to survive the whole series is serious. Is that what he said? Yeah. yeah, I think maybe you weren't in the... <laughs> not there. Is it the magic of podcasting? What? Have known, but I think when we had that discussion with Rob, there was some muggle mail uh, from a real fan. So there was muggle mail being like, what, which character do you want to, like, die in the next chapter? And he said Winky. And then which character... One character you can guarantee to survive the whole series. And then he chose Sirius. 
And what was your two faces like when he said that? We were like, oh. well, we it, obviously did. We had really to poke a face. Yeah, yeah, we had to poke absolutely. A face the time. And we didn't answer because it would, um, you know, potentially yeah, get you can't. away. Well, I think there's a lovely symmetry in the fact that we finished season three just when you were, you know, about to release the Froggart Phil. We're finishing season four when Miller's is about to release. The grub. A grub, yeah, exactly. Um, the grubbit. The who's gonna have a baby after series five? Rob, a, a rabbit. Could be a Robert. A Robert. Robert. Robert's just his name. <laughs> Doesn't work. Doesn't work. The parting of the ways and the beginning. Thoughts on the chapters before we bring Rob in, guys. I really love the passing of the ways because mm. you think it's going to be just a an end of book, wrap it up kind of chapter. And I always forget how much is in it. I was going to say exactly the same thing. And then I read it and it's not. There's so much in it. Um, yeah. And it, it does have like, it's got a lot of significance. What happens now does have a lot of significance when we think about the next few books, obviously the it's last exactly. book is just a bit like that is a bit meh. That is the kind of just tying it all up. Yeah, it's nice that we get a few paths laid down in these last couple of chapters for the next book. Um, I love some of what's in the final chapter. Not going to lie, I love some of what's in there. Obviously, you know, you, you're sort of past the the peak of the book by that point. And it's just wrapping up a lot of stuff. But I love some of what's in there. And I'm really interested to see what Rob makes of all this. Because I think it becomes suddenly quite a lot more sophisticated. We've talked about how some of the themes in this book and in book three are way darker than some of the stuff you get in, certainly in book one, but also book one and two. But I think the sophistication in terms of all the different moving parts uh, starts here. It becomes more than just a, a book about kids at school. And yeah, it becomes a much, a much bigger thing. And I know it sounds like it sounds like we're repeating ourselves probably from book two to book three and book three to book four, but um, I do genuinely think that's that's more of the case here. Yeah, I completely agree. From here on in, you can't, it's not a surface level book by any stretch of the imagination. It was always, the thing with the Harry Potter books is there's always intricacies there that are there to pick up if you want to think about it or or um, hone in on them. But you can kind of coast along reading them like Rob has. Whereas from here on in, it's this one in particular, it gets so political. That's what I really like about um, about the parting of the ways. Yeah. And obviously, that's this is the beginning of it now. This is the beginning of the war, unfortunately. And um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited to hear what Rob thinks. I am very optimistic that he will like the parting of the ways. Definitely. Shall we bring him in? Yeah. Let's bring him in. Hello, Rob. All right, nerds, for the final time. This series, this isn't the end. This is not the end. <laughs> Brackets of this series. As the chapter suggests, Rob, this is only the beginning. Mm. Oh. Rob, how are you doing, mate? You're well? 
I am good. Yeah, yeah, not too bad. I have just this minute finished. Oh, raw. Fabulous. That's great. Mmm. Box fresh. Fantastic. That's how we he like. That's the best way to do it. No, that's the best way to do it. He doesn't know what's happening. He doesn't know what's He's going to think how his eyes are shut. He doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> understand. Chill out. Here we go. Right, Rob. Okay, we've got two chapters this evening, which you haven't done for a while, so challenging. Mm. Uh, could we have, then, a hot take for chapter 36, The Parting of the Ways? This was a good one. A lot going on. Yeah, it's a good one. He's, grinning. On. He's really grinning, guys, for the benefit of the listeners. He's really grinning. It is a good one. And a hot take for the final chapter, chapter 37, The Beginning. Yeah, lovely, just lovely little wrap up, lovely glow going on, a few little kind of, you know, end of movie sort of smirks, uh, loose ends tied up. She's a lovely little finisher, really. Okay, lovely. Good end Very of good. story. Very good. And maybe a couple of loose ends rolled out, which I'm sure we can unpack a bit more in the walkthroughs. Is that a phrase? Yes, shut up. That was a lovely transition. <laughs> Perfect segue. Let's go, Phil. Okay, so um, obviously we're ending in um, Moody's office, as I'm sure you remember well. Dumbledore binds Crouch, Barty Crouch Jr., who we've just listened to um, the account from, and he leaves um, McGonagall guarding him. He sends Snape to get Madame Pomfrey to look after the real Mad-Eye Moody, who's still at the bottom of the crate. Mm. He asked Snape to bring Fudge up to the office so that he can question Crouch himself and then to tell him that he will meet Fudge in the hospital wing in half an hour if he wants to discuss things further. So Dumbledore now takes Harry to his office, which is where your mate and mine Sirius is. Yeah. Um, on the way to the office, obviously, Harry is still, like, flashing through the images of what happened, what's happened. Um, and Harry also asks about Cedric's parents. Um, what did you think about that? Yeah, it's pretty, pretty tough times for the old parentals at this stage. Yeah. Um, I guess I probably meant more, you know, that even though Harry's been through all of this, that his thoughts are still with other people yeah he's a good egg isn't he good he egg. really is and i feel like harry gets some bad press sometimes and i think he's a really Literally. nice guy he really does and he's he is a really nice guy um so um dumbledore starts to kind of fill serious in um on everything that's happened obviously serious is kind of flapping a bit um he's super worried about harry about what he's happened. a bit flappy isn't he he is flappy, understandably flappy. Yeah, he is. I kind of want to draw parallels to like his response here and Molly Weasley's response later on in the chapter when they go into the hospital wing. And I didn't want to describe her as flappy and not serious because actually they're doing very much the same thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, fair, fair point. Didn't want to be sexist in that sense because it's written in a similar way, I would say. So Dumbledore starts to feel serious in on what's happened and Forbes comes and sits on Harry. And I thought you might have really liked the description there where um, it says that like 
Fox's weight was quite reassuring. And I thought if you ever go through something like this, Rob, like you touch a porky, your mate gets killed in front of you. Yeah, yeah. Death Eaters, Voldemort, Cauldron. I thought, do you know what Rob would love? And that's just a dog sitting on him. Oh, 100%. Almost at any time, yeah. That's, that's going to make yes. any situation better. And it is reassuring, isn't it, when you've got something, like, nice, like, just there, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to make do with a cat these days, but, you know, still same but effect. But even a cat, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you still hang out with that dog you're mates with? Uh, yeah, I've got a couple on the go, yeah. Have you? Yeah, seeing a couple of dogs at the minute. Non-exclusive. <laughs> Tinder Swindler. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bloody Any hell. dog that's passed now, I'll give it a ruffle. I bet you make them all feel freaking special, don't you? Always, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, Dumbledore now addresses Harry directly and asks Harry to tell them everything that's ha- that's happened from the moment he touched the porky and went to the graveyard. Harry is desperate not to do this, but um, he's so bloody calm, isn't he? Who, Dumbledore? Yeah, he's like the sort of the ideal fire warden. Like what, when, when do you reckon he'll get flappy? Well, I would say, would I say, no, he doesn't really get flappy in this chapter. We do start to see um, some cracks appear in Dumbledore as the books go on. He's a very three-dimensional character. But I think what you will start to learn about him as the character flashes out even more is that he has this exterior because he has been through so much. Would you agree with that, guys? I would, yeah, absolutely. And he's very, very old, so he's got a wisdom that none of the other characters have. And don't forget, you know, because I'm sure you remember when Harry read his Chocolate Frog card on the way to Hogwarts that very first time in The Philosopher's Stone, that Dumbledore is famous for defeating the dark wizard Grindelwald in 1945. So he's already defeated a huge dark lord. Like, he's done it. In 1945, he did this. Busy boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's a bit Churchill. Well, he's not Churchill, is he? Because he doesn't have really any aggression. But... We get some good speeches later on, don't we? Mm. You're wrong. There's an element, there's something of... Less racist. I think it's kind of like the, the wartime leader. But he's... Yeah. But, but it's nothing like, leader, like... Yeah, but he's not really like that. Like, because we get, like, a bit more of a wartime leader later on, don't we? Um, yes. Who I think, yeah, you could make a bit more of a parallel. But I know what you mean, in terms of, like, being a leader and, like, his speeches and rousing people. I'm drowning. I I'm drowning. Let's move on. Okay. Let's move on for Rob's sake. I was just going to say very quickly, though, um, you see a lot of this kind of wisdom and composure with all of the Hogwarts teachers that we're around right now. Like McGonagall, you see the cracks show. You, you see her vulnerability. don't want to describe it as cracks. But, you you know... You see that vulnerability earlier and you see it again when they're in the hospital wing. But it says, like, when she got gets out her wand, her hand is completely steady. Yeah. You know, they've all got this... They are in, they are the top of their game, I would say, like the, some of the teachers at Hogwarts. So, and again, you will get to see some of that in later books. So um, 
to give Harry this extra strength, um, Fawkes sings. It's just like a little note. And the note gives Harry strength, as music often does in times of trouble. Yeah. What song would you go for if you were playing the part of Forks? Uh, probably a bit of drum and bass or something. Bit of like, would it? Bit of, yeah, bit of kind of hyper man, just to put a smile on the face. I reckon I'd go for something like something like you two. No, no, no. You two would you two would set me off. I'd be over. No, but you need. Okay, maybe I'd. Uh, no, okay. Do you know what? I'd go phonics. <laughs> of course you would brand loyalty <laughs> so um he starts to take them through everything and do you remember the response when he mentions that worm tail cut his arm oh yeah there's a big old kind of shriek like you know massive reaction from Sirius and doesn't Dumbledore like sort of smiles or something okay I'm gonna read it but these are very important segments mm. But I'm going to be glazing over a lot of a lot of the rest of the chapter. So, when Harry told of Wormtail piercing his arm with a dagger, however, Sirius let out a vehement ex- exclamation, and Dumbledore stood up so quickly that Harry started. Dumbledore walked around the desk and told Harry to stretch out his arm. Harry showed them both the place where his robes were torn and the cut was beneath it. He said, "My blood would make him stronger than if he'd used someone else's." Harry told Dumbledore. He said the protection my, my mother left in me, he'd have it too. And he was right. He could touch me without hurting himself. He touched my face. For a fleeting instant, Harry thought he saw a gleam of something like triumph in Dumbledore's eyes. But next second, Harry was sure he'd imagined it. For when Dumbledore had returned to his seat behind the desk, he looked as old and as weary as Harry had ever seen him. Any thoughts on that at all? Yeah, I thought it was a bit weird. Like Dumbledore was happy that he touched his face. Uh, that seemed a bit weird. I think it was the face line, do you? Yeah, what like... <laughs> I thought, I thought that was odd because... That's such a weird... Because I... Yeah, I wouldn't have thought... Face. I don't, I don't trust anyone now. In general, or who touches a face? No, but Dumbledore seems to be happy that the face touch has happened. I either... You're so weird, Rob. You are so weird. I'm just going to carry on, okay? Um, so Harry, um, so Harry, Harry carries on telling them they move on to the <laughs> if he brought up the face. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Just... I just want Rob, I just wanted to make clear to Rob that like the face wasn't important. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the face, though, is it? It's just the skin to skin contact between Voldemort and Harry that that is relevant here. Okay. Which Voldemort already stressed, didn't he, in the graveyard? Voldemort said, Yeah, yeah, I can do so it. Important, and this is why I needed his blood. That's why I can touch him now. Hence face touch, mm. yeah. Without doing the whole like quirrel, like, you know, disintegration. Mm. Job. Yeah, your favourite line of all time. Mm. The face where the back of her head should have been. <laughs> yeah. So, Simpler times. Harry, yeah, so Harry moves on, telling them a bit more, comes onto the wand. What does Dumbledore say when they talk about Priori and Cantatum and why that's happened? So, first of all, what is Priori and Cantatum? It's your browsing history, uh, your yeah. last okay. spells. 
of a particular kind. Yes. And so it's the reverse spell effect, and we've seen yeah. this before, haven't we, Rob? When did we see this before? We saw it when they were trying to find out whether that wand had been used to conjure the dark mark when they found it in the forest. Brilliant, Rob. We're going to have won back a few more listeners for that. <laughs> and Sirius says, why did this happen? And what does Dumbledore say? And what does Dumbledore then reveal, which is new information for us? Mm, uh, it's a wand clash because they were wands from the same Phoenix, Phoenix Feather core, That's which right. was from your friend and mine, the, the warmth on his lap. absolutely yeah that's a bit of a revelation i bet you were buzzing from that revelation weren't you yeah teary teary little fella oh um... (laughs) leaky (laughs) serious then describes the ones as brothers so what happens when a wand meets his brother and exactly like you just said the reverse spell effect one wand will force the other to um, almost regurgitate previous spells in reverse order. And Dumbledore kind of obviously at this point has realised exactly what's come here, which means that some shadow of Cedric um, appears. Sirius says something along the lines of Diggory came back to life, to which... Voldemort responds, no spell can reawaken the dead. And it's explained that it's more of an echo of Sirius that retained likenesses and um, features of his character. Um, Sorry. Yeah, Dumbledore. And I just think that line is worth just remembering for you, Rob. Hmm. No spell can reawaken the dead. Yeah. Roger that. That's like a rule straight from Aladdin, isn't it? Yeah. One of the genie's get... restrictions. Yeah. Yeah. Rob, have you seen Aladdin? Uh, I've seen seen parts of. What? But I feel a bonus coming on. Disney's Aladdin with Robin Williams. You've not seen that? I've seen, I've seen sections of it, yeah. No, that's not that's the same. It. That's not the fucking same, Rob. Yeah, no. Oh. Uh, well, then, no. <laughs> How can you sit through all of Dragonheart and not see not have watched Aladdin, which is phenomenal. I've got hey, some Miller, sort of passing familiarity with it. Miller's fresh back from the, the, first, uh, from the tea break. The first Aladdin, the real Aladdin. Yeah, the real Aladdin. Real fan. Well, presumably he's not seen the Will Smith one either. Which I have to say, I do think is good. And the I guy, guy Ritchie one, really Guy Ritchie, wasn't it's it? It's not, yeah. yeah, but it's not as good as the real Aladdin. No. No, but a cartoon, real life's never going to be as good as a cartoon. I don't think the um, Jafar is as good. No, but the songs are cool. The rapping is cool. Anyway, so so Harry obviously talks about what happened when that there was Bertha and Frank Bryce and his parents. Forks in this time has like moved onto Harry's leg and has a little sob over it. Legs all better. Mm-hmm. So once Harry's finished, Dumbledore obviously thanks him, gives a nice little speech there about how brave Harry's been. Um, And they all head to the hospital wing. He says that Sirius as a dog can stay with Harry. They get to the hospital wing and who's there? Uh, It's the sort of Ron Hermione Weasley's crew. Yeah, so it's Mrs Weasley, Bill, Ron and Hermione. 
Um, on another bed is the real Mad Eye Moody. Yeah. there. He's not conscious, I don't think. Dumbledore tells them, obviously, Molly immediately wants to um, check in with him, make sure he's okay, mother him, essentially. Dumbledore tells them not to question him um, and that he's there to rest. Um, Madame Pomfrey gives him a potion for dreamless sleep so that he can... Who wouldn't love to that, by the way? Oh, dream. I would absolutely love that. <sighs> Give me a dream every every time. Oh, no, but not when you're that stressed. Rob's a real, like, dream interpreter. Are you? I love a dream. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if any, real fans, if any real fans or long-time friends of the show ever want to send in, if you've ever got a particularly vivid dream and you we can remember it want to know it i do please send no, it in I do. pass it on to rob and rob will give you an interpretation especially if it's uh harry potter related like no one cares strongly i, I care. strongly disagree you are all weirdos so um i've put what do you think of this scene but i don't know what i meant there um, so yeah, Madame Pomfrey gives him gives him a potion, and he manages to go off to sleep. Um, very soon after, he's awoken by voices. Rob, what has happened? Oh, there's a row. There's a row brewing. There is a row happening. Who's involved? We've got McGonagall. She's at the end mm-hmm. of her tether. We've got Fudge. Yeah. Yeah. Willy Wonka. He's livid as well. We have got yeah. Snape. Yeah. Arguing. That, that'll do. That'll do, pig. That'll do. <laughs> they enter the hospital wing. Um, Fudge has come there to see Dumbledore. Like you said, McGonagall in particular is absolutely livid at this point. What does it transpire has happened? Fudge has fucked it. He's absolutely fucked yeah. it. He brought a Dementor with him for some kind of protection when he was going in to mm-hmm. interview... Yeah, that's what he says, isn't he? When he was going to interview BCJ mm-hmm. and open the door, Death Eater sucks him up straight away. Ruined him. Henry hoovered him. Yeah, absolutely. And when he's asked why he did this, because Dumbledore obviously wanted him to give evidence, which would have led to a number of positive things that could have come of that, like Sirius, mm-hmm. the fact that Sirius is actually um, innocent yeah. because of the whole wormtail thing and all, all of these kinds of things. And obviously everything that, is, that proves the proof of everything that's happened so far. Fudge just kind of says, well, you know, he was a lunatic. He was crazy. Seems to think he's doing it all on. From what Snape says, he says he's been acting on behalf of you know who. I'm sure you picked up on the fact that um, Fudge doesn't use Voldemort's name. I'm sure you picked up on that. Of course you did. Well, no, I mean, everyone everyone does the old you-know-who, so it wasn't really well, notable. Well, apart from who? Apart from who? Potter. Uh, yeah. Dumbledore, probably. Yes, and? Serious? Yeah, that was a good guess. But... Confident in that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, By the way, I just want to take so... a moment to um, appreciate return of the phrase sook. Uh, <laughs> he sooks him. Yeah. He did suit him, didn't he? Yeah, nice. So um, Dumbledore kind of asserts to Fudge that Voldemort has returned and he was what he was saying wasn't the mutterings of a madman. Um, Fudge gets very defensive. I'm going to read 
this paragraph here quickly for you, because again, I think there's some very important bits in it. So, as Minerva and Severus have doubtless told you, said Dumbledore, we heard Barty Crouch confess under the influence of Veritaserum, he told us how he was smuggled out of Azkaban and how Voldemort, learning of his continued existence from Bertha Jorkins, went to free him from his father and used him to capture Harry. The plan worked, I tell you. Crouch helped Voldemort return. Now, what happens now is Fudge gets incredibly defensive. And when Dumbledore says, well, I've, it's all been verified by Harry, mm. what's the response from Fudge now? Oh, Fudge, Fudge is eating all the kind of tabloid stuff about Harry and he's written him yep. off as a, you know, his parcel tongue. He's having all these kind of funny turns and yeah, he's kind of discredited him, his account really. We see a couple of things here. We've seen it before with Fudge when he um, made that remark about Madame Maxim um, potentially being uh, the reason for the disappearance of Barty Crouch Senior. But we're seeing it again here, this like deep-seated distrust of someone that can speak parcel tongue. Um, and then there is later on, he says to Dumbledore, I've given you a lot of free reign. There aren't many um, ministers that would have let you keep Hagrid, for example. And he uses that phrase. So actually what we're starting to see here is that there's a lot of kind of underlying prejudice going on with Fudge. What are your thoughts on that as a leader? Yeah, I was pretty angry because as, as it, as it kind of transpires, he, he's just all about his his job, basically, and his role and keeping it going and kind of sweeping it under the yeah. carpet, keeping it quiet yeah. to keep his role. So, yeah, there's a lot of kind of anger towards him in this scene. So, and then we see like a bit of a, what I would call a bit of a, quite a selfless act from Sirius here, where he jumps in and shows Fudge his dark mark. Snape. Snape, sorry. Sorry. What did you think about that? Yeah, he's backing up Harry, I guess. Harry's story. But it, it yeah, it makes sense. It gives it gives a lot of like credence. For, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was gonna um, go for veracity. All good words. Very good. Good words. So yeah, Harry basically pipes up at this point. No one else kind of knows he's been awake and he, you know, he says, You've been reading Rita Skeeter. Mr. Fudge and loads of Fudge's prejudices start to come out and how he has like you said kind of swallowed up all this tabloid crap so Harry starts to say what happened that night he starts listing Death Eater's names Dumbledore now outlines his plan for Fudge and he says to Fudge these are the things you need to do yeah it's a bit rich this and that yeah what are the suggestions that he makes? It? So he doesn't really phrase them as suggestions as he says, these are what you need to do to stop Voldemort getting a, getting a foothold whilst we've still got time. What is the first one? So first one, get the mentors out of Azkaban. Where, 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 where are they going to? I don't know. But just get them out. I think the point is, Clear them off. is that that they need to not be in control of all 
all of you know who's Voldemort supporters that are currently Doctor. Mm. That's the issue, that the Dementors, as far as Dumbledore is concerned, are not trustworthy. Send them on holiday. It seems like they are basically all that's keeping the, those Death Eaters and everyone else in Azkaban. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what's the second thing that he said? Second thing, giant envoy. Yeah, send envoy to the giant. Get them on side. To the giant, absolutely. Um, right, there's another tiny little bit that I want to read, which is my Churchill speech, I believe. You are blinded, said Dumbledore, his voice rising now, the aura of power around him palpable, his eyes blazing once more. By the love of the office you hold, Cornelius, you place too much importance and you always have done on the so-called purity of blood. You fail to recognise that it matters not what someone is born, but what they grow to be. Your Dementors just destroyed the last remaining member of a pure-blood family as old as any and see what that man chose to make of his life. I tell you now, take the steps I've suggested and you will be remembered in office or out as one of the bravest and greatest ministers for magic we have ever known. Fail to act and history will remember you as the man who stepped aside and allowed Voldemort a second chance to destroy the world we have tried to rebuild. Just wondering if you think these are the types of pros you're going to be spilling out in the underwood. Yeah, I mean, decent, decent little speech. I mean, I would go further than decent. (laughs) I think that is um, as good as it gets. Wow, okay. Imagine that speech, but just coming from a two-foot hairy toad. (laughs) (laughs) That is the only way to improve it, I think. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, we know what happens next, so I don't want to say too much, but it's the kind of speech Fudge obviously couldn't give himself. No, he didn't have it in his locker. Um, And I think it's as much for everyone in the room as it is for Fudge himself. Although I do think it is an honest attempt from Dumbledore to try and get Fudge on board. He's also slipping into his role now, which is basically going to be, you know, not to say too much, but effectively, you know, commander. Absolutely. Fudge leaves, um, tells Dumbledore he'll be in touch to discuss the running of the school. Before he leaves, he gives Harry his winnings. As soon as he's gone... Dumbledore turns to Molly and says there's work to be done um, and Kelly rely on Arthur to join essentially what is now the resistance. Um, Bill says he's going to go to Arthur, who Molly assures him will 100% be on board. Dumbledore asks McGonagall to go and get Hagrid and Madame Maxime and ask them to meet him in his office. Any ideas what that might be about? The giant envoy, surely. The giant envoy, yep. Um, he sends Madame Pomfrey to go and get Winky and look after her and take her to Dobby to be looked after. Oh, Don't think I didn't notice little a heart. little, uh, another alliteration slipped in here, by the way. Poppy. Oh, Poppy Pomfrey. <laughs> Just tried to slide it under the radar. Oh, I love that. Um, goes to get Winky, take, yeah, to, to take Dobby. I reckon Dobby would be so, oh. That the thought of like Winky turning up to Dobby and Dobby hearing everything and like how much Dobby would like just be mm, that breaks my heart. Okay, so 
they go, shuts the door. What happens now? Um, Harry. No, Sirius and Snape. Sirius. Oh, yeah, they have a little sort of forced makeup, like two schoolboys yep. who've had a fight. Absolutely. Um, when Sirius says, what's he doing here? Dumbledore says, he's here at my invitation, as are you, Severus. What did you take to mean by that? As in, you're both lucky to be here. You've both been forgiven. Just put it put it aside. I trust you both. Yeah. So he then sends Sirius off as a dog to go and <laughs> gather all the big names, the old crowd, mm. and to lay low at our mate Lupin's house. Did you like some of those, some of those names, Rob? Oh, yeah. Who's that? Oh, I was more focused on the, the, the inbounding off as a pooch. Oh, <laughs> giving him a little wave. Annoyingly kind of turns into a dog before he has to open the door. <laughs> <laughs> Which he does with his little paw somehow. Yeah. <laughs> what, oh, what I'd God. love is turn into the dog, bound over the door and then be like, oh, fuck. I have to turn back, open the door, dog and away. <laughs> so he says, um, you're to alert Remus Lupin, we know Remus, Arabella Fig. Mundungus Fletcher, the old crowd, all the big names. You'll get to know them all a bit better in the next book. Okay, then he turns to Snape and he says, Severus, you know what I must ask you to do if you're ready, if you're prepared. And Snape says, I am. What do you think this is? Oh, he's going to have to, don't know. I don't know, he's going to have to do some kind of Death Eater stuff, presumably. Right. Some kind of, you know, I don't know, some kind of double agent, maybe. Some kind of spying, some kind of info. Brilliant. Okay, great. Dumbledore says he needs to go to see the diggeries now. Molly tries to comfort Harry. And there is a really beautiful line here which is the last bit that i'm going to read um big old hug so the hug mrs weasley set the potion down on the bedside cabinet bent down and put her arms around harry he had no memory of ever being hugged like this as though by a mother the full weight of everything he had seen that night seemed to fall in upon him as mrs weasley held him to her his mother's face, his father's voice, the sight of Cedric dead on the ground, all started spinning in his head until he could hardly bear it, until he was screwing up his face against the howl of misery fighting to get out of him. Again, a beautiful description, I thought, and I know you would have been thinking too. Yeah, it's nice. I like that. I like a big hug. I'm a big hugger, believe it or not. But I think I think it's so poignant because... The line he had no memory of ever being hugged like this. Yeah. It's really yeah, agreed. He's not had the mother's hug. Else, exactly. And there is like, I think people can relate to that, like that. I don't know. I, I think it's something that people can relate to. Yeah. My hugs are like equivalent to a mother's hug. Who's told you that? Because you can't assess your own hug. <laughs> You're hugging yourself. Do my own hug reviews, do my own book reviews. <laughs> um, Rob, I've got a little challenge for you for um, when mm. we do the bonus between series. Could you ask your wife to write a review of your hugs, please? 
<laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Wonderful. So, no yeah. I can review Rob's we'll hugs. Have, <laughs> we'll, have, <laughs> we'll have two reviews of Rob's hugs. And we'll see if, you know, if they differ. One from Rob's wife, Kat, and one from you, Kingy. But we'll save that for the bonus, which no one listens to anyway. I do think description of, like, how Harry's feeling when he's being held like that was really, really powerful. I think it's really powerful because essentially what he's saying is like in that moment, because he was, the hug was so kind of full of unconditional love, he felt safe in a way to run through the stuff that was trying to come out. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's really beautiful that. Um, finally, there was a loud slamming noise. Mrs. Weasley and Harry broke apart. Hermione was standing by the window. She was holding something tight in her hand. Um, obviously, we will come back to that line in the next chapter because we know exactly what Hermione is doing now, having read that carefully. I only realised that this time. Really? <laughs> no, you didn't. I did. No, I reckon Rob's still trying to work it out. No, I, I just never like... Just never added up, yeah. I think Hermione's just awkwardly, bro- yeah. <laughs> awkwardly broke hug silence. Um, and that's the end of the chapter. Harry drinks a potion, falls asleep. Miller's chapter 37 then, the beginning. Take us to the end. The chapter opens by describing the next few days as a blur. Um, and includes describing Harry meeting Cedric's parents the next day. What happens during this meeting? Uh, they thank him, basically, for bringing the body back. He apologises. It's all very nice. They, he tries to give them the cash. She, she says no. Yeah. That's the summary. It really um, hit me this time. Like, how intense that must have been for Harry. Like, what oh my God. One ask for him. And obviously, I'm sure that no one would force him to do that. And then he would have, like, he would have felt like he sh- he needed to, but he would have, like, done it willingly. But it's a lot. And he, especially as, like, he didn't have anyone, like, there with him. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It's a lot for him to shoulder. Um, Once Harry leaves the hospital wing, what do the next two days look like? The ne- once he leaves, oh, he, so he goes back to the kind of common room, and everyone's been told to just leave him be. Uh, so yeah, he just hangs out with kind of Ron and Hermione, can just chill out a bit. He's in a bit of a like almost like a trance, isn't he? He's not even really joining in with things. He's just watching them do things. Um, and what does Ron say that Mrs. Weasley has asked Dumbledore? Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me something. So it says that Harry and Ron and Hermione didn't really talk about what had happened because they know they're just kind of like waiting for a sign about what happens next. Um, Uh, And the only time they kind of like talk about anyone or talk about Dumbledore or anything like that is when Ron says that his mum went to ask Dumbledore whether Harry could go straight to the Weasleys. Oh, yeah, yeah. And what does Dumbledore say? She says, no, he's got to go back to Privet Drive for some reason. And they're just like, okay, trust in, trust in Dumbley. Exactly. Well, I mean, Harry is not very happy about it, is he? But, um, no. But Mrs. Wiggy says Dumbledore has his reasons and leaves it at that. Harry's wondering what Snape, what Snape had done, done on Dumbledore's orders um, that first night. Mm. 
Um, and he, I think, similar to you, he wonders whether it might be that he's resumed his old role as a spy, like you said, as a double eight, double eight. Double O Snape. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> the name's Severus. <laughs> no, Snape. <laughs> I fucked it up. <laughs> I wouldn't get the part, would I? <laughs> the name's James. <laughs> James. Oh, bollocks. <laughs> Carry on, Millis. Uh, they go down to the feast on the last night. And what does Harry notice? Oh, bit of a sombre affair. Not the usual... Not the usual decorations going on, just some black drapes. Got a little, little mark of respect for uh, old CD. And yeah, Dumbledore does a little bit of a, says a few words for him. Yeah, Dumbledore, there are obviously some people missing, aren't there? There's no Carcroft. No, he's scarpered. And we've got the real Moody, who is understandably very shaken. Getting some well-needed calories on board, I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Dumbledore tells the students, he surprises, I think, Harry and, and lots of people by telling um, all of the students what happened, how Cedric died, um, and explains that how that Harry survived Voldemort and returned his body. Um, and then what is Dumbledore's kind of message for the hall? Got to be united. Uh, got to stick together. Um, and, yeah. If we're going to fight Voldemort, we've got to all stick together. Unity. All he wants is a bit of unity. And he seems to be maybe making a point of this towards particularly um, the foreign students and maybe particularly uh, the Durmstrang students mm. um, and makes it known that everyone's welcome. So the next day they are waiting for the carriages to take them to the station and Crumb says, comes to say goodbye to Hermione. Thought you probably would have enjoyed this. Yeah, yeah, comes to say his goodbyes. Uh, Ron awkwardly asks for an autograph. Um, yeah, it's all a bit, all a bit embarrassing. And on the train, Hermione brings out a daily prophet and the talk turns to Rita Skeeter. Uh, Hermione is bursting, it seems, to tell them what she's discovered. And finally, Rob, we've spoken loads about this, I feel. What, what is Rita's secret? She transforms into a beetle, Rita Beetle, and nice. that's how she's heard all these stories. She's she's been a been a little beetle, uh, and yeah, that's unlicensed. So Hermione's got a bit of dirt on her, basically, and so no more no more Skeeter stories for a bit. Yeah, and Hermione's got her in a jar, hasn't she? So Hermione's <laughs> she's going to release her when she gets back to London, but. Rita's not going to write any stories. Mm. And if she does, obviously Hermione will tell his, her secret. How, when did Hermione catch Rita? Um, when, don't know when she, when, don't know when she caught her, but I remember that she was, there was a beetle in the hair. There was the beetle just walking along the log when Harry was just trying to look at it to avoid the sort of, Maxime Hagrid mm -hmm. steamy moment and yeah and she was in the class when he had the sort of migraine yeah I mean I can't really have a go at you for this because despite the fact that it literally does say in this chapter I only this time realised that when Hermione 
makes a loud noise and interrupts the emotional hug between Mrs. Weasley and Harry, that is her catching, catching Rita. Rita. And oh, right, off. okay. Didn't get that. And she does say, she does say, like, I caught her out the window in the hospital wing or something like that. She does say on the train, mm. but I obviously just skimmed over that and not paid any attention um, every time I've read it. Understandable. They are then interrupted by three people they don't really want to talk to. Oh, yeah. It's the it's usual crew. They always pop up. Malfoy, Crab and Goyle. Yeah. You can do one. Yeah, doing all the doing all the usual chat, and they they get their comeuppance from from all angles, because they have a, have a go at Diggory. Mm-hmm. I mean, fresh off the bat, leave it alone for a bit. I know. Yeah, I mean, are you surprised they take it that far, Rob? Because Dumbledore's done a yeah. speech about unity and having to sort of stick together, and and being a bully or being a twat is a bit different to kind of you know siding with a racist, genocidal. Guy mm. like Voldemort. Are you surprised that Malfoy's sort of gone in with both feet there? Do you sort of believe what he's saying? Or yeah, it's bad. It's, it's bad gear. It's bad gear. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's pretty extreme, and it's gonna it's gonna spark a reaction, and it does. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, so unfortunately for Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle, Fred and George are also outside, and so they get five hexes. Yeah. All sorts going on. Get rid of them. Um, and they carry on playing some exploding snap. And at some point, Harry decides to bring up another topic that I think we've just discussed quite a bit in the in the podcast, which is who have the Weasley twins been blackmailing? Yeah, and it turns out it's, it's bag man. Off of the the World Cup bet, he know he paid them out in the leprechaun money, which disappeared, and it turns out he's a gambling addict and he's got no no cash. Yeah, and he's got he's got in trouble with uh, the goblins. The goblins, yeah. How did he try and pay the goblins back? Oh, so he bet on Harry to win the tourney, which is why he was like all over him like a rash trying to help him out. But quite rightly. He didn't win outright. It was a draw, so they didn't pay out. And so he's run away, I think, has he? He's done a runner, yeah. Um, and so as they pull in pull into King's Cross, what does Harry do? What does he give to the twins? Oh, it gives them the cash. Yeah, take it. Take the cash. He doesn't want it. And they need it. And they they kind of by right should have it, really. Or should have the equivalent amount or some money. So, yeah, gives it to him. And what does he tell them to do with it? Crack on with the joke shop. Entrepreneurial activity. Open your joke shop. We could all do with some laughs. Mm. Um, Shaking your head. Yeah, it's just like a kind of, you know, don't know, just like an old thing to say. Um, There's something else that he tell he makes him promise to do with it. Um, oh, don't tell, don't tell your mum. Don't tell your mum. But what what does he want them to buy for Ron? Some cream, some canary creams. 
Scream. He tells them to buy Ron. Scream. Sometimes I imagine if I did make like a trailer for our podcast and some of the things I could cut. (laughs) I just think some cream would be a really good one. He he tells them to buy Ron some new dress robes because remember Ron's Um, are all pretty and embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't want his mate being embarrassed again. Fair play. No. And there we are. They arrive at platform um, nine and three quarters. Reezy's go off with the promise that they'll meet um, Harry at some point during the summer. And poor old Harry is back with the Dursleys. And it's the end of book four. Yeah. That's it, it's Rob. Done. It's a mammoth. It's actually quite difficult to read at the end because of the weight. You've you got like uneven weight Too uneven, know, on yeah. one side. Yeah. <laughs> God, that must be hard for you. Yeah, but you've just been to the gym. You work out. You've got the muscles for that kind of <laughs> You work out. You work out, boy. Yeah. What are your ratings? What are your ratings? What are your ratings? What are your ratings? It's ratings time. Rob, let's have it then. May we have a rating for chapter 36, The Parting of the Ways? You can have yourself an O. I knew you'd get an O. Oh, okay, well. Third O in a row. Yeah, it's the oh, third O in a row. Um, oh, oh, really? oh. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. Borderline. I thought it got an A. No, nah, it's got an O. Got an O. Got an O. Wow. Wow. So we got Are we going to get ooh. ooh? See, Rob, could no. we have a rating? I don't think we will. No, nor do I. But <laughs> Rob, could we have a rating for chapter 37, the beginning? Yeah, I'm going to give it an E uh, as, as a little wrap up. Fine. Probably borderline AE, but it's a nice little wrap up. But yeah, Hi. not amazing, but but decent. Wow. I mean, a strong finish to the Goblet of Fire. Three O's and an E. Yeah. Well, that kind of accords with your expectations, right? Absolutely, it does. Yeah, yeah. Rob, can you give not a rating, but a kind of like how? What are your thoughts on the book? It's it is the best one yet. It's like a lot more involved. There were more threads. It's grown up throughout the series, right? As expected. My confidence in being able to replicate this standard of writing is is a, is a little bit weaker than it was. <laughs> I'll be honest. I kind of I kind of wished that I've read it when I was sort of 12, 13, 14, rather than Rob, you're struggling to understand now. <laughs> I wish you'd read it. Well, I mean, it would mean we couldn't do this podcast, but yeah. I think it is best to read at, at, at 11. As a YP. Well, just to grow up with it. Yeah, I agree. We've done. We've literally, this is, that's the end of book four. I mean, it's the end of Rob's. Uh, See you, nerds. Love you, bye. You're right, mate. Right. We're going to take, obviously we're going to take a break, but we're going to take maybe quite an extended break. Similar break, I suppose, to between series three and four. Um, because like we mentioned earlier, I'm having a baby. A grubbit. And we Yay. might need to we might need to remodel our format slightly as well. 
we'll be, we'll be back for the next pandemic. I don't. <laughs> so I don't know when we'll be back, but we will, I think, have a bonus episode in between to tackle any muggle mail, owl post, etc. that comes in. It'll be yeah, wrap up. But let's go yeah, to the be, end so because keep sending stuff. Well, yeah. the end of Rob. Well, it isn't because I've got some Muggle Mail. Really? Yeah. Since Monday. Oh, let's since, see how. Since Monday, I've got Muggle Is Mail. Is it Rosie King? Rosie King, long time friend of the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rob, why are you so silly? You dress like a Muggle and you look like a Weasley. Oh, Rob, what do you think? You stupid Muggle likes to drive our listeners to the brain. Damn Muggle. Just one question for Rob. With Fudge and the rest of the Ministry of Magic in denial and the Dementors seeing off Barty Crouch Jr., what does Rob think Dumbledore will plan to get the truth across and fight Voldemort? Well, it's a bit of a coup, isn't it, I think? A bit of a kind of ministry coup. He's going to try and get, get everyone on side who believes him and understands him and probably get rid of Fudge, I'd say, because he's not, he's, not, he's not the man to lead, to lead the charge against... Dumbledore, oh, sorry, against Voldemort. So, yeah. Do you have anything you want to say to the listeners at the end of this season before you go? Uh, thanks very much for listening and getting in touch. Uh, it's been good to hear from you. Uh, you're all a bunch of nerds. <laughs> I love you, bye. <laughs> I love you, bye. All right, Rob, good night. Good night. Bye. Love you, bye. bye. See you later, mate. Bye, bye, bye. He's gone, thoughts? He loves it. Yeah, he loves it. I can't believe he said, and he did say, I kind of wish I'd read this when I was yeah. 11. Yeah, I love that he says that because he's he can see how, how enjoyable that would have been. And you can only see how enjoyable that would have been if you're somewhat enjoying, enjoying it. Enjoying it. Appreciating it. At exactly. Least, yeah. And look, he said it's the best one so far. I mean, he said that about every single book. The big question is, and this is where I'm sure listeners reach out, let us know what you think. Is he going to say that every next book coming? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. We will see, I suppose. I think it, they they follow this a similar vein from here on in, don't they? So I think preferences from here on in are more to do with the individual as opposed to like, an objective view of this book is just more complex and more sophisticated than the one before. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So for example, Order of the Phoenix, like, so I know a lot of people whose favorite is Half-Bloods, for example. Yeah. So I think we'll get it at the end of Half-Bloods. End of Order of the Phoenix, I think he might be like, yeah, I prefer it, but only because he'll probably have forgotten Goblet of Fire. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure. We'll. I think the thing at, with the Order of Phoenix is that he will just be blown away by the fact that Sirius dies. Oh, he's not going to cope with that. We do get Quidditch back in the next one, but the thing I was going to say was at the end of Half-Blood, Fang gets hurt, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, so he's does. not going to yeah. cope well with that. But also what we do get in Phoenix is um, Dumbledore's army. I think he'll love yes. that, that kind of like underground student yeah. organization. Cho and Harry. And we meet Cho Luna. And, yeah, Cho and Harry. Luna. Luna All the Cho and Harry stuff. Yeah. I think he'll really love Luna. I think he'll really take to her because she's because she's weird. We get. We I think got, Rob will really like that. We get a bit more of Neville and a bit. We just get a bit more of the like other surrounding 
students, don't we? Yeah, and a bit more of everything. We've done the muggle mail. Let's move on. I have some outpost as well. Is it also from Rosie King? Cue the jingle. What's your question? Tell me what's your question. 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 Right, well, after all that, no, after all that, the first piece of our post that I not from HCB is from longtime friend of the show, HCB. (laughs) She's got a couple of bits. She had some muggle mail, which one, Rob has already answered, where does he think Snape is going when Dumbledore asks him? And one, which I forgot to ask Rob, which I'm sorry about that, HCB. What is Rob's legal view on using Veritaserum on questioning? Oh, good what a great question. Good question. Should I should I message Rob now? No, because we're getting tired. No, save save it for at least we've got something for the bonus yeah, now. Yeah, we'll bring that back in the bonus. Sorry about that, HP. Yeah. But she does have of other pieces of uh genuine owl post that weren't for Rob. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. she says, What do we think it means when Harry says he thinks he saw a look of triumph in Dumbledore's eyes when he is talking about Voldemort using Harry's blood? Right, great question. And the first thing I was going to bring up in the deep dive, what are your guys' thoughts? Well, I think it's hard to take that. Do you think it's because of the face touch? Well, forget the face touch for a moment. Like I said to Rob, I'm not sure it's the specific face, uh, you know, that means anything to Dumbledore. But I think more listening back to it now, that it's hard to take that section without then including the very next sentence, which is something about, but when Dumbledore sat down at his desk, he looked as weary and old as he'd ever looked. And I think that that kind of juxtaposition between this like hint of excitement or satisfaction in Dumbledore's face put directly next to Dumbledore looking as old and weary as possible it is symbolic of the conflict that is going on within Dumbledore, which is that he's pleased that Voldemort used Harry's blood because he knows that it's given Harry actually extra protection against Voldemort. Yeah. However, it then very quickly hits Dumbledore what that actually means. Yeah. In the context. Neither can live while the other survives. Yes, in the yeah. context of the prophecy and that at some point he's going to have to cover that with Harry but he knows it can't be tonight. So yeah, I think I we all kind of know and agree that the, the look of triumph in Dumbledore's face is because Voldemort has uh, created even more of a connection between him and Harry by resurrecting him yeah. using his blood. And that gives Harry additional protection that Voldemort obviously isn't aware of because he otherwise wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it ties in. It's it's another thing of the when Harry saves Wormtail and Dumbledore says to Harry, there will come a day where Voldemort won't want a servant that is in Harry Potter's debt. Yes. Um, it's how this like old magic and layers of magic seems to work that ultimately... 
the things that Dumbledore is doing in the short, the things that Voldemort is doing in the short term to give to give him strength is ultimately going to be his undoing. Yeah. So yeah, the creation of Horcruxes to make him completely invincible means that he's going to do it so much that he's going to be completely unstable and can't fully live anyway. It's just all mirrored in this. It's another example of it. Do you think a lot of this sort of like deep magic, deep magical law has a kind of suggestion of like natural justice to it? Yeah, I do, yeah. Because, for example, the mother that gives her life to save her child, that child cannot then be attacked by the person who killed the mother. It's kind of got, there's like a natural instinctive justice to that that we can all recognise. Or something like if you take the blood of someone to resurrect yourself, you protect that person against violence from you to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. Or, yeah, like, yeah. like Wormtail he has a blood debt to yeah. Harry. It's a kind of brutal natural justice. And it's interesting that that seems to be at the very bedrock of magical law, isn't it? Well, I think it all comes back to something that I just almost felt very dissatisfied with when I first read it, which is book five, when like we're finally going to get this answer from Dumbledore as to why Harry has survived and yeah. and it took me a really long time to really understand it but that ultimately comes down to Dumbledore saying to Harry you are protected therefore by your ability to love mm. and I and at first I felt really dissatisfied with it but I understand what it means now like the thing that has protected Harry from just go becoming a dark wizard himself mm. is his love for his parents that he didn't even meet. Well, he didn't meet in any sort of conscious way. Mm. And so, and now it makes perfect sense to me because Harry is like an empathetic, feeling human. He will never go to the dark side. Whereas if he didn't love his parents... Of course, he'd be seduced by the dark arts, mm. but he has he has this ability to love. Marty Crouch Junior. and Voldemort himself. Yeah, they don't. They didn't feel those were two people who didn't feel. Yes, love for for parents or loved by their parents. Exactly. There is a nice little parallel here between like this sense of an older magic, a deeper magic that. Um, kind of mirrors the line the witch in the wardrobe stuff which I know is then linked to religion which isn't something that I'm looking to do necessarily in any way mm. but like this thing that um if a traitor is killed if if a person if an innocent person is killed in a traitor's stead on the stone table then the stone table will crack and death itself will work backwards mm. which again goes back to this like deep deep almost law to things where at the heart of it there is this love and this justice and I, I think that is at the core of human nature that's where I see it coming from. I think I think you're right and it's a recurring theme and whether it's at the core of human nature is something you know you could talk for hours and hours about yeah but it's definitely in 150 years time when people look back on the writers of the 20th century I think that's what people will believe they were getting at. 
So like C.S. Lewis, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, similar themes come up in Tolkien. You know, the, the just act and the loving act is the best act that you can do. Similar themes come up. I can't remember which wonderful real fans sent it in, but similar themes come up in Star Wars. Yeah. Basically, might is always, might and, and cruelty is always defeated by love. But yeah, it's a very, I think it's what marks Harry Potter out as a very, a, a 20th century fiction. Yeah. It's a piece of fiction that I think contributes to the construction of this idea that love is the strongest, most powerful, most meaningful force that exists. And that if you, if you base your actions and decisions on that, good will come to you. I don't think that's a very 21st century idea. I think fiction has moved beyond that a little bit. I'm not sure how best to give an example of that, but I don't think that kind of message or that kind of story is kind of enough for audiences now. They kind of need the protagonists in their fiction to be a little bit more than that, to, to not kind of fall back on the like, I'm doing it for love kind of thing. I, th I think they need, yeah. they need it to be a little bit more than that. You know, I'm, I'm coming up with this theory on the fly. I, I'm, I, don't, I don't have that much evidence to back it up with, but it's just kind of like an instinct. Yeah, but anyway, she does have another piece of outpost. Oh. She says, can we talk about, this is a harrowing piece of outpost. Can we talk about how Winky was left in Moody's office the whole time so essentially watched the questioning, saw the Dementor give him the kiss. Oh my God. Fudge and McGonagall just left her there, probably in hysterics with the body for what seems like hours until Dumbledore tells Madame Pomfrey to go up there. Guaranteed PTSD. Well, she's got it already, mate. Like that, no, I hadn't considered that. And now I feel even worse. Like, Why I was she kept there in the first place? Because I understand basically she, she was brought up there so that she could witness it, so that she could believe it, wasn't she? Because hmm. otherwise she wasn't going to be able to believe it and she wasn't going to be able to get over it. But once Barty Crouch Jr. had like done all the Veritaserum, told the story and Dumbledore and everyone left, she could have gone. Why didn't they just send her back? Right. <laughs> so I think... So she obviously didn't move, we can assume. Yeah. But, just, um, she but she would have stayed with McGonagall during that. Yeah, she must have seen it and gone hysterical, but McGonagall's focus must have just immediately turned to fudge. Yeah, of course, yeah. She must have done. Because McGonagall would treat her, I guess Dumbledore's just made the connection that, she hasn't followed them up and therefore she must still be there. Yeah. Because after she the confession... She just got forgotten about, I think. Well, yeah. But yeah. My question is who forgot her, Dumbledore or JK? Because at the end of, at the, end of the chapter, uh, Veritaserum, where Dumbledore kind of sends everybody off to do mm. their bits and bobs, their jobs, one sentence fixes it. Winky, please return to the kitchens. However, he doesn't say that then. And I wonder, is but, that Dumbledore forgetting to 
forgetting to tell Winky to do that? Or is that J.K. Rowling forgetting to do that? And then in the edit, in the edit, Mm, they've had to put a sentence in. It can't be the, it can't be the J.K. because they they could have put, in the edit that you can put the, you don't have to put in the last chapter, you could put that line back in. So it's a choice. Well, I think it must be. Otherwise, you'd be like, oh yeah, I've left Winky there. Either, let's just not mention it, probably everyone will forget no one will pick up on it or just oh let's put a line in at the end of Verity's theorem that'll solve it what role does winky play in book yeah. five she is in the series again book five. i'm sure she's in the series again is she is she well dobby definitely is dobby is yeah dobby, oh, like, dobby, dobby, is. Um, dobby helps follows them. malfoy doesn't he oh dobby's dobby breaks my heart i mean look maybe it's just Another case of like even Dumbledore, you know, good as he is, pro elf as he is, or whatever, just didn't really think she was a priority right then. Yeah, and yeah. he wasn't expecting that to happen. Probably he thought Winky being there to corroborate would have been a good thing. I'm not sure about that because it's clear that house elves carry very little. Like that. Um, what's the word? Yeah, and he would know that, but like, I can't really, he would know that Fudge wouldn't care about what she had to say, but. Well, she's already, she's already like a disgraced elf. Like, I don't think, I don't think it's, it's for that, but uh, I, I think, yeah, she just got forgotten about in, in everything that was going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's tragic. Absolutely brutal. Absolutely brutal. Um, is that all the outposts you have? That's all the outposts I have. I have some outposts from ages ago that I just saw okay. today from Steph. Oh, from long-time friend of the show. Steph. But I think it's kind of something we've covered, but I just wanted to mention it basically because I've forgotten it. But she says, Do you need a wand to transform into your animagus? No. No, because that's the point. Because that's how Sirius does it. And Sirius in Azkaban. Yeah, you don't yeah. you don't need it. It's not a spell, it's an ability. But if you have your wand on you and you transform back, you will still have You'll it. You still have it, yeah. You yeah. don't have to stow your wand somewhere, it's just on you like your clothing. Yeah. Yeah. Does anybody have um in the uh, this is a new section, I've got something to say. Oh, um go ahead, Phil. No, I, I don't. I just said, I just meant, is this the new feature I've got? I don't actually have anything to say. Yeah, this is the I new feature I've got something in. to say. Um, oh, right. Sorry, I've got something to say. Yeah, go I on. Want to sit on that chair now. You want to sit on this chair now, okay. And that was, I've got something to say. <laughs> Does it need a jingle? I think it needs a jingle, yeah, for series five. I'm wondering if series five, I'm wondering if we need a jingle for, I've got something to say and deep dive. Certainly, for I've got something to say. We can't have five jingles in a in an episode. I think we can. Well, I know because I think the magic number is six. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I was just wondering. Well, everyone knows that the, well, most, the, the most powerful jingle. magical number is seven. Yeah, that's true. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. Well, we could have jingles for hot take. 
Yeah. Walk through. We can't have a good talk because it's too short. Mug, uh, ratings, mug I could make it longer. Outpost, and I've got something to right. say. I that's don't think six. we can trust you on that. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's... Hot take. Right, I've got, I've got something to say. Deep dive, hot take. What was the other one? Uh, Walk hold through. On. So we've already got three. All right. Yeah. We could also have them for hot take. Yeah. I've got something to say. Yeah. And deep dive. Oh, what about walkthrough and housekeeping? You could always make several and then we could just pick the best or worst. Oh, please tell all. <laughs> like any of them would be substandard. Plus. So if you guys have got nothing to say, let's go into the deep dive. <laughs> okay. Was it a huge error by Dumbledore not to deal with Fudge himself and allow the kiss to occur? Was that a big error? Was that a lack of judgment? He obviously prioritised going to Harry and getting the information fresh over dealing with the minister himself. I think that was the part. I think that was the right priority, personally. You think that was the right priority, Millers? I think what he did was reasonable because mm. he put in his base his two most trusted members and staff, and I don't think it would occur have occurred to him that Fudge would bring in a Dementor, knowing D- Dumbledore's position on Dementors, and yeah, to a a person who is chained, like mm. as as dangerous as he might be, he's got not no power at that point. Yeah. Okay. So I realised reading this back that Dumbledore knew that Voldemort couldn't hurt Harry in the first three books. Not not just because of the whole he can't touch me thing, which Dumbledore would have probably known you know like we were saying last time he deduced that there was that protection uh over harry based on what happened or what the kind of generally understood happening was at the potter house because we had a bit of muggle mail didn't we somebody asked you know how could dumbledore know about it if he wasn't there and we we figured out that well we think that he just deduced it from you know what played out and his understanding yeah. of the situation. But not only did he know that, and that's why he sends him to the Dursleys, but he also knew that they had twin core wands. Yeah. yeah. But that, he knew that from when Harry got his wand. Yeah, but that yeah. only that's not going to save Harry if Voldemort just av- Vada Kedavra's him. That only, like, they do have to, like... Duel. Duel, Yeah. Mm. To, for that to be a problem. So if, if Voldemort deprived Harry of his wand or Harry just was like too slow or didn't know what to do. Mm. I mean, also it's, it was only book one that they came to face, that Harry's come face to face with Voldemort. Yes, that's true. But it just kind of struck me as like, that maybe this is, you know, just another reason why Dumbledore was quite a bit blase with Harry, early doors. Yeah. Although we've also talked about the theory of like he wanted Harry to 
go after the stone and he wanted Harry to have a run-in with whoever it was that was trying yeah. to get hold of it, Voldemort or not. And I think the idea that Dumbledore knows that Harry's protected in multiple ways from Voldemort, you know, plays into that theory that he's quite happy for him to have a run-in with him or someone, um, some kind of Voldemort proxy, which is what Kirill basically yeah. was. The echo. So we talked about the, the the ghosts, for want of a better word, that come out of the wand during Priory Incantatum. And we were talking about the idea that they're definitely there, but whether Harry sort of projected onto them the things that they were saying, almost yeah. part of his imagination. And Dumbledore describes them as an echo. And I don't know, I don't think any of us cited that when we were talking about it last time. So I don't know if that made anybody rethink that or um you know if you just had any thoughts on on that use of that term no but it does they did say he did we did confirm what that spell does didn't it that it is i mean in that context it's not a spell but it did it's all spells the one's done and i suppose yeah, like we, we said last whenever it was it's just that some of those will have a physical representation and some of them won't yes it didn't because i think in my head i had shadow or echo was that being like the descriptive term for what happens yeah right i think we did reference echo because i don't know i would listen back to it but i don't think it's been released yet i think echo of it is a good word yeah an echo of of the yeah. of the spell um, and you know what it did, what that spell. So brought, yeah, this is what, what Dumbledore says. All that would have happened is a kind of reverse echo. A shadow of the living Cedric would have emerged from the wand. Am I correct? Um, an echo, said Dumbledore, which retained Cedric's appearance and character. I'm guessing other such forms appeared less recent victims of Voldemort's wand. Yeah, and I did want to draw attention to the line no spell can reawaken the dead because I feel like that's something to come back to and this echo thing because that's what happens with the resurrection stone isn't it yeah and it's interesting because I think a, rever a reverse echo is a really good way of don't know of what, phrasing what a it. reverse I don't really understand that well because it the prior incantatum is like the mm. reverse spell effect but it but can't it's not revert, a reverse but it, echo, it's an echo. No, but it, it's not reversing the spells. Like the reverse spell effect almost makes it sound as though yeah. the spells will be reversed. What they did will be reversed. But obviously it can't it can't actually yeah, do it's that. not undoing them. No, it can't no. Um it's just showing them. It's yeah, yeah it's, it's just, an echo. Yeah, it's showing yeah. an echo of the the yeah. magic that was wrought. So could they have used Veritas Serum on Barty Crouch Jr. in court? Because Dumbledore says that he, he testified under Veritas Serum. Um, you know, he testified under the power of Veritas Serum about what he did. And that seems to kind of suggest... Hang on. So, so, sorry. Who? What did you say? Barty Crouch Jr. Not in court. Yeah, but, he, but when you say he, he didn't no. not do it in court... No, I said, could they have against him in court right um well i think from what we know no um no from right. what we've seen introduced however that doesn't mean that he wouldn't testify in court like it wouldn't like barty crouch jr 
it wouldn't surprise me if if he would just stand up in court and, and say the truth. Especially as I think he would have absolute faith that if they sent him to Azkaban, Voldemort would get him out would just get him out. Basically, what I'm getting at is I agree that Veritarium isn't allowed to be used in court because otherwise we'd see it. So Dumbledore bringing that up with Fudge is almost a little bit jarring mm. for me because it's like, bloody hell, use Veritaserum on him. What are you doing? You know that's not allowed. Um, and, you know, you're not going to be able to do that in court, are you? What if you won't say anything? But it's not... I, but the Dumbledore didn't want... Dumbledore thing isn't that I want to put him yeah, behind Yes, he doesn't bars. care about the legal implications. So what do you think they would have done if Barty Crouch Jr. had just stonewalled and said, I'm not, I'm not saying anything? They would already have quite a few witnesses to it. And if they could get Fudge as another... Like, basically, if Fudge could mm. have seen that... Mm. And experienced that and would have believed it, which he might not have, even if he had experienced it, mm. then they would have much much easier time getting the magical community to believe that story. Do you think Dumbledore was thinking that the Veritaserum would still have been in effect yes. when Fudge arrived? Because he said, you know, I, Cornelius wanted yeah. to question him himself. So do you think he's thinking, well, they gave him enough veritaserum that it will still be in play? I don't know, because at the end of that chapter, he, he it says, like, he, he changes, doesn't he? Yeah. He goes back to being in his stupefied state. Mm. So I don't know whether that's just because he's stopped being asked questions or whether the effects have, have worn I think off. it's just because they've stopped asking questions. Yeah, I thought it was just a, an interesting yeah. line. I think the purpose of veritaserum in like um like a practical sense is things like this where like you need to get to the bottom of something quickly and if you were talking about prosecuting him and evidence the evidence that would go against him would be other evidence gathered from the story that supports the prosecution so we have yeah. since found Barty Crouch Senior's body that was transfigured into a bone. How would we have known to look for that had we have not heard this and that have been true? We've since found out that Wormtail is in fact alive. And, you know, like those things would co corroborate, but you maybe couldn't use the testimony as proof in court. Okay. But you could yeah, use the testimony enough. to build the, the case against him. But in this instance, all I think Fudge would have some sort of like ministerial decree. So it, as long as I think in the interest of things moving forward fast, which is all Dumbledore cares about is getting things done and the right steps happening. He just wants... Um, Fudge to believe unquestioningly what he now believes. Yeah. Do you get me? Yeah, agree. Because I think yeah. Fudge would be able to just put Barty Crouch Jr. straight into whatever institution Dumbledore thinks he should go into. Interestingly, we talked a few weeks ago when we were covering the pensive about how following the downfall of Voldemort, there was obviously a bit of a uh, a witch hunt for want of a better word and maybe a hasty kind of slightly separate legal system set up for processing death eaters and things like that probably a lot of pressure on the ministry to catch people 
we talked about how some of the Death Eaters, you know, would have evaded capture or detection and, and some of the reasons why that might have been. Maybe they didn't all know one another, so there weren't necessarily trails back to every single one or like the Malfoy, they just kind of like, you know, pay their way out mm-hmm. of it. Fudge mentions in passing that Harry's chucking out a load of names of those who were cleared of being Death Eaters, which I thought was really interesting. It suggests that maybe more of the people than we thought were actually put on some kind of trial or at least questioned. Well, I think, isn't it suggested at some point, I can't remember when, that that people like Lucius Malfoy and other people had claimed that they'd been under the Imperius curse or claimed yeah. they'd been tricked in some way. Yeah, that's true. So I yeah, that didn't that didn't surprise me. You think that maybe comes from that process? The what process you, the, you think those excuses maybe come from a process of trying those people. Well, yeah, because otherwise if you don't if you're not acu- and never accused, you don't need to make an excuse. Yeah. Mm. So they they were obviously like there was obviously, there were obviously suspicions about those people for them to need to use an excuse. Mm. Would Snape not have guessed who the dog was? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, this is the dog in the maybe, hospital wing. Like this all happens very quickly. And maybe when yeah, that's a good point. Maybe when Sirius transforms, he's like, fucking knob. But don't forget, Snape still, I suppose. The penny won't have dropped for Snape that Sirius is innocent until he heard the stuff about Wormtail that night. That's true. So it adding up about Sirius being innocent and stuff maybe all happened at the same time as him seeing the dog. I suppose it's actually, for him, it would make more sense for that to be the Weasley's dog. Yeah, than for Sirius Black to be innocent and for him to be here yeah. right now. Does Dumbledore do the right thing by going sort of head on with the ministry and telling the students? Yeah. That's such a yeah. bold call. Do you think that's the right thing to do? He has, yeah, but he's Is got... the truth always preferable to lies? Yeah, because his main objective at this point is to get as many people believing his story. Yeah. And he, right now, has got all these, more people than he will ever have listening to him because it's the whole of Hogwarts plus yeah. more. Yeah. And yeah, and I agree. Probably most of them are like either not listening or don't understand or don't believe him, but there will be some of them who who hold that in their heads and won't believe the prophet. It's really... Go back and tell, and tell yeah. their parents and talk about it's it. It's really, really difficult. And unfortunately, like having this conversation now is frustratingly poignant. Yeah, it is. I found it quite Yeah, like, I wish that it wasn't. But, like, you know, I came from the conversation that me and my teachers were having on Saturday after running the theatre school I run was how there are five-year-olds asking questions about the war. That is, Mm. it's in their consciousness. And obviously as a parent, you think, I just want to shelter my child from this as much as possible. So it is difficult, you know. We are talking about kids in year seven, but they have an opinion on this stuff. 
and they would go home to have an opinion on it. And and yeah, I think Dumbledore doesn't know how long he's got before he's silenced. So I do think it's the right yeah. thing. And he needs to get in before they start reading all the stuff from the prophet. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, fair enough. And you know what he says here, you know, about Cedric. Yeah. You know, the kind of eulogy that he gives about Cedric when he talks about. Sorry, just to finish off that last point, it, I think there's a bit of irony that line coming from Dumbledore, who, you know, about the truth always being preferable to lies. Yeah, true. Because, you know, he is someone who we do find out has not been completely no, upfront with some, with some he really. Generally. Stuff. He does say generally, and he also does say lies. And lies a, rather than the lack a lack not, of truth or yeah. not the whole truth. Yeah, like a good rule, I think, is you know, um, tell the truth, but you don't have to tell all the details. Yeah, at least yeah. don't lie. If you can, if you cannot lie, you don't necessarily have to tell all the truth, but try to tell the truth. And yeah, I, I get what Dumbledore's saying. Yeah, and his eulogy to Cedric here, and his sentiment about having to choose between what's right and what's easy. Yeah. I think some of JK's best stuff. I agree. It's and beautiful. It is. And I did genuinely, I know we don't want to go into it too much, but I did find that quite a hard read. I found yeah. that quite a hard read in given what's going on, you know, a, a whole new, a whole new cycle of, of this shit. Oh, it's horrendous. It's absolutely horrendous. And yeah, how horrible that we can, that if you'd have asked us this a month ago, we wouldn't have thought we could draw, we wouldn't have thought we'd be able to draw comparisons this stark as we can. No. Obviously, there's always atrocities going on in the world, but but not, no, none of us saw this happening. And it's tragic that this is, this is the case, unfortunately. A couple of last tiny little things to clear up. Is Hermione risking quite a lot? I think it's a very, very high risk strategy because her threat to kind of go to the authorities, is it a bit of an empty threat? She hasn't got any proof. I mean, it works. So, you know, the, the question's a bit moot. Uh, you're but... right. It is. Yeah, I did think that earlier. I was like, how is she proving it? Mm. Um, but I guess if she accuses her... I mean, yeah, you're right. Will they take her seriously? But there are presumably things they can do to check. Presumably there are checks yeah. to see whether you're an animagus. And also, don't forget, Hermione will have already researched exactly what proof she needs to provide and yeah, she will have true. got it. True. Yeah, I think that's true. Is it a shame that we never hear from Bagman again? I was thinking that because it's <laughs> runs away and I'm like, oh yeah, we don't really like... Where do you think he goes? Maybe off to the US? Yeah, maybe leaves the country. To get involved in, you know, the Major League Quidditch, whatever they've got over there. Maybe, yeah, because maybe he just flees the, like, the war, like everything that goes on now because he's not aware of the war. But maybe he just goes and, yeah, he just goes and like basically just graphs somewhere else. It is sad. You might expect him to like Show come back right at the end, you know. Yeah, Battle of Hogwarts. Yeah, when people come like pouring through the portraits. Yeah, uh, just like, mate. Yeah, between the Hogshead and the Room of Requirement, 
just be like a bagman just tumbles out just like <laughs> With, uh, yeah with like a beater's bat and maybe he just <laughs> yeah. like bashes um like a death eater over the head or at some point. <laughs> that would be brilliant and final question like who's excited me we're going into another book with rob another new book another new start my main thing <laughs> is that i think we need to really think about how we do it yeah i'm excited for the new frogger I'm excited for the grubber. The grubber, yeah. I'm really excited. It's not it's not a grubber, it's a troll. The troll. You can't yeah. call it a grubber. It freaks me out when I think of it as a grub. What about as a frog? <laughs> or a troll. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for season five of oh, the Harry Virgin. Virgin. Real fans, longtime friends of the show. I'm excited for the merch, the jingles. I'm excited <laughs> for the sponsorship dollar that I know is going to start raining in now. Now we've got these numbers. Um, <laughs> absolutely, it's coming. Any and day yeah, now. Yeah, directly to the listeners, long-time friends of the show, short-time friends of the long-time friends of the show, long-time friend, long-time friend of the show, real fans out there. <laughs> like, we love that you're there. We love that you're listening. And... Thank you so much for everything that you've sent in this series. It's been great having um, your questions. We will be back. We will be back. We, we promise. Back. And the next episode that you hear from us following this one will be episode um, season four and three quarters. So that will be an interim episode between series four and five. And please send us any muggle mail or owl posts that you have covering these last four or five chapters of Goblet of Fire because we know that we're recording this before most of them have gone out so things that we talk about that you might want to pick our brains on or give your own opinion on um, we're not going to have an opportunity um, well we're making an opportunity to do that by doing it yeah a sort of inter-series bonus which will come out um, you know as quickly as we can get it out so yeah rain I'll post a muggle mail down on us Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for listening to the Harry Potter Virgin. Our theme tune was an original composition by Patrick Steed. Our jingles were original compositions by Emily Tonks, Philippa Thomas and Craig David. It's goodbye from Millers. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Phil. Millers with a sad face. And it's goodbye from me. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Goodbye.